Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 7, season 25. And we've got a full house, which which always excites me. Um, we've, we've, metaphorically speaking, put the band back together, which which doesn't happen as often as what it used to these days, it has to be said. So I, I, I kind of almost feel like I've got to be nice when I do this now. Whereas previously, I'd always be very cynical and bitter and twisted when I had to, had to introduce my co-host. But now I, I kind of feel like I need to be nice. So hello, Jack Bangin. Hello. Is it is it not episode 6.6 this week? No, it's not, you prick. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. There's no need for that, Jack. <laughs> see, I started off nice and see where it descended to very, very quickly. No, the just, re- a, but just a plain question. It, it wasn't, wasn't a, you, were a being, you were being facetious, Jack. Come on. Oh, that's a nice word. It is. I love it. I love saying it. It's one of those words that I really like saying. Um, yeah. There's another word I really like saying, which is massively inappropriate, so I won't, I won't say it. But um, I'll see you next Tuesday on it, Jack. That's what yeah. I'll say. Uh, all right, then. I yeah. like saying sponge. That's one of my favourite words sponge. to say. Sponge. Yeah. Spon- are you? Are you? Is it the sponge that you wash with, or the sponge cake? Are you? Have you got any it specifics? Doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just okay. the word that I like. Yeah. I always remember somebody putting a picture up on Twitter, and it was the base of somebody's foot, and it looked like um, it looked like they integrated the sponge into the photograph, but really it was a lot of overgrown skin. And it, it, uh, it haunted me for a long time, I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of those pictures that I kept not one to look at, but kept referring back to, saying, is it really real? Is it one of those moments? <laughs> but anyway, not what we were expecting to start with, it's fair to say. Speaking um, of which, hello yeah. Trevor Agnew. Hello Trevor Agnew. <laughs> Can we go back to talking about fancy damn coffee, please? <laughs> Much better. Not sponges, is that what you're saying? Sponges, no. Gingerbread uh, this week, boys. Is it gingerbread latte this week? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, gingerbread this week. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. I bet you, right, Jack, I bet you any, any, I bet you your Starbucks budget for this week, <laughs> right, which is probably about six grand. No, uh, no, it's all homemade. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Get you. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is that tax deductible, Jack, by the way? <laughs> Actually, is that why you've said it? Is that why you've said it on record? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do it all on my own. Because you work for yourself, Jack, so technically that's tax deductible. Well, I've thought of that before, but thank you for that piece no, of advice. There you go. Run that by go. my accountant. I would, mate. I would if I were you. I bet you, by the way, because Trev, Trev is 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 in the Emerald Isle, aren't you, Trev? I'm in Clonakilty, uh, West Cork. The reason why he couldn't say it, by the way, is because he's already been on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's already been Patrick's on it day, as we record. Yeah. So Trev's on it. Trev's already had the liquid breakfast. Yeah, but also there's something to look forward to tonight, which is the legendary uh, Welcome to West Cork Rally uh, welcome party. Wow. Wow. That's good. Um, you, know, you, you should take a recorder with you there. I definitely don't know. <laughs> it's the last <laughs> thing I have. <laughs> and uh, last, last but not least, uh, the reason why we leave him as last is because... Um, couldn't be asked doing it any sooner. Um, no, because he's our headliner. He has our man from Del Monte. He goes from hot to cold, and that's not just his mood. That's that's basically <laughs> the weather he operates in. Ryan Champion, welcome back. Thanks. I didn't know Trevor I knew could uh, play the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tin whistle over here, man. I tell you what, I'd like to see you on stage at that welcome party with your recorder. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge blow, this week. Blowing, do you blow away or do you suck away? I don't know what you do with it. Whatever it is. I think you're getting, you're, you're getting mixed up with the pink oboe. 
you're getting mixed up with the pink oboe, Ryan Champion. Different different instruments altogether. Different instruments even altogether. even I feel uncomfortable here. I can't imagine what the listeners thinking while he's driving down the M56 or something, listening yeah. to this. Listening to this, which is normally what people are doing. But do you know what? Very early doors, people used to tell us what they were doing when they were listening, whether it was going out to watch a rally or this or that. Or da, 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 da. Um, and I kind of miss that. I kind of like the idea of, of somebody letting us know. So tweet us, let us know what you're up to. Obviously, within reason, if, you, if you're doing something illegal, then probably not. But uh, let us know what you're doing when you listen to us. It's just nice. There you go. Um, boys, we've, we've not all been together. Sol- solitary confinement. <laughs> yeah, solitary confinement. Yeah, you've sent me there. Um, Ryan Champion, you've not been with us since... Gee, when when were you last with us? I have no idea. When you had Black Se- series series seven episode eighty seven. Yeah, well you've been you you've been. It's you're using assholes about these episode numbers, aren't you? you really are. Um, you've but you you've not been with us since pre Sweden. That can't be right, can it? What the first time or the second time? No, a Sweden rally as opposed to you going to Sweden. Oh. Uh... I can't remember. I know that's what that's what I feel like because you've been in Sweden. You might as well. We 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 shared it on we shared it on our socials. That's what I think. That's what the kids say. Uh, you've you've been playing in Sweden again. Uh, looks like you're having a terrible time out there. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it's tough, but somebody has to do it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, finished for another season now. So that's uh, that's the end of the winter season now. So uh, all done until uh, 2023 now out there. That sounds a long way away, doesn't it? Do you know what? It's, it's how long we've been doing this. I timeline my life now on when you knock up, when you stop going to Sweden. <laughs> Honestly, it's too, it's because we've been seven years now, and I think you've been doing that. You must have been doing that for seven years now, right? Or, oh, no, ten. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. whenever we've been doing these pods, there's always a point where you go, yeah, I'm not going to Sweden anymore now. So, yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of timeline my, my, my things on these. Um, Jack, um, uh, I'll come to you in a second because uh, you, you, you're busy with other stuff now. Um, I don't even I don't even feel comfortable talking to you about rallying anymore. Now that's not entirely true, by the way. But um, uh, Brian Champion, um, do we get a potted kind of your views from from Rally Sweden, or were you too drunk? Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think I was actually in England at that point when that went on. Strangely, okay. Um, so that that was between Kenya and actually going to Sweden. I watched Sweden in England. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, gotta gotta try and remember back to that one. But uh, I think it was a, a Robin Perra masterclass, wasn't it? From from what I remember, um, all the uh, all these experienced, uh, well fancied runners around him uh, tripped themselves up, and uh, the young boy did good again, didn't he? Um, and uh, funny enough, I was having this conversation with. Um, Mark Duez, who we had on a, uh, a while back, didn't we? Oh, yeah, chat, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was chatting to Mark Duez over, over a beer the other night, and uh, we were just saying that um, if uh, if the rest of the World Rally Championship doesn't get their act together very, very quickly, then uh, they probably won't get a chance to win a World Rally Championship for a while, because... Um, Kelly Robinpair is certainly shaping up to be uh, uh, dominant, and that isn't what we need for the sport on the back of uh, uh, French domination for a while. But um, yeah, he's certainly uh, he's certainly looking like he's going to be a, a, a strong contender this year. And then I think he'll take some beating there on. Very succinctly put, well done, Ryan Champion. Now um, I wanted to talk about, in all seriousness, before before we get into other bits and pieces, but somebody we all know, and we've all had various interactions with somebody I've known for quite a number of years and rallied with and everything else but uh, we've got a new uh, a new rally director at the FIA 
which is Andrew Wheatley, um, which for me is uh, is a great appointment. Um, Andrew is uh, obviously right. You would have competed with him back in the Peugeot days before he went to work at M Sport and he worked his way up at M Sport, etc., etc., etc. But Again, uh, without getting too carried away, um, obviously he replaces Eve Matson, who, who of course was another rally man. But we, is, it, is, it, is it is it because he obviously he's a Brit and he feels like he's one of our own? Is that why we've got a bit more of a feel good factor about it, perhaps? Um, well, I mean, like you said, Andrew's been involved in the, the sport for a long, long time, and uh, yeah, I think the first time I really got to know to Andrew, got to know Andrew, full enough was ice driving. We went to John Hoglands way back in. I don't know, 1994 or something together. And uh, uh, Andrew came came through the one mate championships himself. He did the, the, the Skoda trophy as it was back then. He did the Peugeot challenge. So he's seen all those one mate championships. He's seen, um, he's seen them from a, a Ford angle at M Sport. He's seen the ladder of opportunity. He's seen what M Sport doing in the, in the WRC. So, um, He's certainly got experience of, of all levels of, of rallying. Um, and uh, let's see what he brings to it. I mean, he's, he's been involved with the FIA now for uh, for a number of years. So he already knows how, how the system operates at the FIA. And he certainly has the experience. So let's see what he can do with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jack, um, I, I don't know how much involvement you have with Andrew. Somebody, I'll say, I rallied with him and I was... I was very much involved in the, the, the Fiesta ST Championship, which unfortunately is now finally come to a close this year in the UK. Uh, the, the championship obviously is ran by uh, BTRDA more recently, but obviously it was an M Sport Championship. We, we, I work with Andrew on that, you know, probably 16, 17, 18 years ago, which is frightening really. God, that makes me feel old. 18 years ago, the Fiesta ST, but, um, that was very much, you know, he, he, if you pardon the pun, he, very much drove that at M Sport at the time and it was kind of his baby. So, you know, having somebody that appreciates, um, I suppose, and as Rice has been alluding to there, the amount of one makes he was involved with as a driver and then latterly obviously put together the SC Championship. Having somebody like that at the FIA, you know, we can only, we can, we can only keep everything across that, you know, the entry levels across the board, um, hopefully will be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. And someone who, you know, is fairly, you know, at least annually tried to, to compete in a, a grassroots rally in the BTRDA as well with his, with his 1400cc Puma that she works on, you know, on, on his own. So, or, or pretty much on his own as far as I know. So yeah, um, really nice to see someone reaching that high level who has an understanding of the, the basic grassroots of the sport. And, you know, when he was at M Sport, you always got a feeling that, you know, he was thinking about, you know, as he should, because he worked there, how to, to help M Sport progress. But at the same time, you always felt like he had a good overview of the sport. And even though he's quite softly spoken, he'd always, you know, he felt like he'd take a little pause before he, before he sort of, you know, he would have a little think about what he was going to say before he said it. And it, it's very kind of strikes me as a very calculated person who understands how the, both the business and the sport works, which is two, you know, really important aspects of, of making any job like, like he's got now work because, you know, you have to keep the manufacturers happy. You have to make sure they're coming back and, and, and make sure you're creating a, a blueprint that they can, sort of put money into but at the same time you've obviously got to 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 keep the competitors happy as well so he strikes me as a, a perfect person for you know just naturally have seeming to have a, a great overview of things even when he was at, at m sport or or doing other jobs and then you know also has got that experience of of all the different levels which you know i think rally fans would be really pleased to see that someone who's reached that high level is is someone who does compete uh, at a grassroots level every year and, and will hopefully have some of their kind of gripes and um 
those kind of things, uh, you know, in his head as he as he makes these decisions and, and thinks about what he's going to change moving forward. Great points, great points, Trev. I don't know how well you know Andrew at all, but uh, I think everything that the boys have just said they're really, really fitting. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't spoke to Andrew since he, he was appointed in the position. I dropped him a little message to congratulate him, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I suppose short and long term because I think Andrew will view it as, as, as a long term project of, of, of really what needs tweaking. Um, and I guess that's, that, that's. I don't think there's going to be wholesale change, but I can imagine tweaks along the way. He had tweaks and he's very nimble on his feet, so he'll be able to sprint around all those plates that he has to keep spinning. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's a hell of a job to take on, of course. And you're absolutely right. All the points that you said are valid. I met Andrew, I think, for the first time way back in 95. Uh, very much government focused, but clearly can uh, can take into consideration what needs to happen right at the top of the sport as well. So, of course, the biggest balance is trying to keep Hyundai and Toyota happy and M Sport Ford, uh, whilst also potentially looking for other manufacturers, if that's still a thing. And going about that the right way by talking to the people who know about marketing, I think is something that I, I'm very hopeful. I, I, me too, me too. And, and uh, as you say, we, we debated it quite a lot I think a few weeks ago now, I can't remember which episode it was, but we were talking about, obviously, we're, we're kind of in this three-year window now. Um, you know, hopefully that period can be extended maybe to five, which will hopefully in the, the you know, encourage maybe a new manufacturer and before the end of the cycle of these particular cars, at least. Um, otherwise, you know, potentially we're going to have the three um, maximum that, that we've already got. But um, still, there you go. Um it was also, boys, the, 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 the relaunch, if that's the correct term to use, um, of the European Rally Championship. I don't know whether you picked up any, anything right on the European Rally Championship. Obviously, you know, the, 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 the voices of it seem to be the same, but, uh, also some added ones to it. Obviously taking very much the WRC all live type, uh, setup as well. And obviously some familiar stage end voices. Yeah, yeah, and, and good to see. <clears throat> I mean, the European Rally Championship has, uh, shall we say, always been in the shadows a little bit. It's, um, you know, it's certainly always been in the shadow of WRC. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be good to see how it develops alongside WRC. Obviously, with the same with the same promoter now, um, a, a good entry for the event. I mean, Neil Solon's um, great. Uh, Great result for him to win. I see that unfortunately he hasn't managed to turn that into a budget for the for the second round in the Azores. But um, you know it looks like been quite a, a competitive championship. Uh, I saw Mindo Rojo finish second as a, a name who's been around no, a long know, time. Can I can I just interject? You know when when Jack said before there's a, there's a word he likes saying. I always and I remember him Armando Arugio. That's how I used to say it because we we were involved with this PWRC program. And I hope I've said it right because for the last fifteen years that's how I've pronounced it. So <laughs> Armando Arugio. Yeah, know. yeah. So I mean, a, a man has been around. I don't know, must be twenty years in rally, and I remember doing uh, yeah rally GB against him a couple of times when uh, when uh, when he was doing PWRC. So um, yeah, good to see uh, the old boy still still doing quite well. Um, uh, yeah, let's see, let's see. I mean, there's there's, there's certainly strength in depth in terms of the uh, the R5 entry there. Um, there's maybe not too many uh, big names as it were there this year, but um, it, it's always had. It, it, it's sort of the, the thing is WRC two's had such a big push over the last few years, as we know, and that's that's taken away maybe some of the uh, the big names from the top of the 
EWRC. So, uh, like I said, it'll be something to watch. How how do how does the WRC promoter develop ERC, and how does the top level ERC drivers fit in with WRC two? That's something we'll have to see how it develops. Well, especially right. I'll come to you, Trev. Um, especially just following on from what Ryan just said there that. You know, WRC2 this year, or is it W? Yeah, WRC2 this year has got um, a, an over 28 section, whatever it is, like a, a, a senior section. And you kind of would have thought maybe, um, you know, you, we, we've just kind of flippantly been talking about, with all due respect, I'm on the Rougio. You know, I look at um, Pablo Nobre, who's, who's also entered um, on Azores. You know, these, these are names that, you know, probably from when you were doing PWRC as an example. Um, you know, it is going to be, you know, they've, they've kind of gone, they've, they've pinched each other's customers for, you know, not to put too fine a point on it for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So how, how do you see this working? I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah. I just think it's quite confusing. And you, you know, even if you were winning a junior championship last year, Sammy Bahari's gone back and done uh, juniors again. So there could have been an option, I suppose, to not run with a Rally 2 car in the World Rally Championship and instead take it to the European Championship and battle for podiums uh, overall. So, yeah. I don't know what I would do, actually. I haven't put that much thought into it. I didn't see last weekend. Uh, I haven't put that much thought into it. If I had a driver and you're trying to get them uh, the experience that they need and the, the most cost-effective seat time, what is the best approach? And there could be an argument to get on podiums, especially when you've got um, regional championships. So, in other words, you've got promoters who could use that publicity in their own home country um, that might be a better vehicle um, for generating more interest and therefore getting more traction, which could lead to more funding, which it's, it's, it's a bad case when Neil Sullen can't afford or can't find the budget to go and compete in the next round of the European Championship, especially coming from Spain, uh, where traditionally they've always been able to find sponsors, Spain, France, and of course, Northern European countries are usually where they can get commercial partners and traditionally have done that. So what's that saying about the sport? Do you know, I, I've just, something else has just hit me, sorry, Trev, uh, about this. Uh, obviously, when I think this may be the, the, the advantage slightly, if I can use that word. Um, I don't think there's any, you know, I think when you sign up, obviously, for Rally 2 or Rally 3, or whatever it may be, it, do you still have to do a minimum number of rounds? Does anybody know that? Because that used to be the thing, didn't it? You know, you, you if you signed up, you'd have to do a minimum number of rounds where you could dip in and out of, of IRC or ERC, whatever. And, and I think that might have been the, the, the plus point if you weren't trying to find budget. You know, going back to that budget point, does anybody know whether you still got to confirm yeah, the number of rounds? It used to be seven. I'm sure yeah. Jack probably knows. It used to be seven that you had to do, or at least start, and then probably five. Is it five or six out of the seven counted? I think I'm not so, sure yeah. if the ERC regs have changed. I know WRC too. They, they had that thing for a while where you could just compete in the events that you wanted to choose, and you counted so many of those events. But then they changed that, didn't they? That you had to do a certain number of events. So to be honest, I've not seen the the sort of R5 or whatever it's called regulations this year for for EVA Championship. So we can look into that and uh, update that in the next episode if you want. I, I think so. I think I think I'd like to look at that one. One just going to back to ERC. One man who is there is our own John Armstrong. He's uh, he's he's out on Azores in the Rally Three. Um, Fiesta, which is quite exciting. So uh, I think that's the, obviously the, the entry has gone final now, so that's quite exciting. But um, just just bringing you in, Jack, and just 
I don't know if you've got any views on what the boys have just said there, but obviously the, mm-hmm. the one advantage that the ERC has got over the WRC, of course, is tyres being free. Um, you know, obviously Pirelli are there, Michelin are there, obviously MRF is a brand that I've had some involvement with. Um, and, you know, that, that enables people to, to, to find that little bit of, you know, tyre budget, which now obviously it's a, it's a controlled environment in WRC. Yeah, it's, it's rare we see someone turn up with a tyre now that, that gives someone the second kilometre advantage over a stage. And, and even if it does, then there's usually another tyre that kind of is better in a different condition that kind of makes up for it. So I'm very much for the the kind of multiple tyre uh, options because, like you said, it helps people to, to find the money. But just going back to what Ryan and Trevor said, I think it's this is the start of a new era for the ERC. And we, we, we are going to have to wait a little while to see what the plans are and, and, and give them a bit of time to implement you know the the strategies that they that they want to implement, but it's very important now that things don't stay the same and that things are moving and and they don't use this time where you know they're getting, they're being given um, you know the benefit of the doubt while they're changing things to to not really change much. You know we need to we need to see some some change to improve this championship. And I think you know the the I think the golden rule for any top championship in the world. Um, no matter the sport really is that you keep your top competitors competing and you know Nils Olens was fantastic on the on the first rally in Faf there and I think one of the stages was at the second stage where he pulled 14 seconds and everybody else in, in tricky conditions was really really impressive so really disappointing not to see him and and that's not the fault of the championship per se because you know that it's not up to them to find the budget for the competitors but it's we need to create a a, a championship that is you know, of a of a significant profile that people aren't struggling to find budget every week, uh, especially. You know, I, I always have a soft spot for the for the clubmans and 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 how they're they're able to to fund going to to rallies abroad and stuff like that. But fundamentally, as as a as a starting point, you have to keep your your top competitors coming back or or, or keep a championship battle going because it, that's what holds people's interest. So it's really important that. The, the changes that are made in the future help these guys at the front to to keep a sustained championship going, however that works out. Um, right. Just, just, thanks for that, Jack. Right. I'm going to ask you a question, something I've been thinking about quite a lot, and, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago, and probably the same point to Trev as well, but I'll come to you first, right? Probably 15, 20, 25 years ago, you would have been looking to do, uh, you know, EPRA or something like that as a driver, when, you know, ERC and stuff like that. Um uh, have we got, you know, has Belgium and places like that now actually got so many good rallies that are not part of, you know, you know, uh, big championships, as it were? And OK, we know Ypres, you know, gone in and out of the ERC over the last couple of years. And obviously um, it's now become around the WRC. But um, uh, the reason why we haven't got maybe as many, you know, um, British competitors going away to do these bigger events, is it because they are going to do events abroad, but they're just the kind of the smaller events, if that makes sense? Well, there's always been quite a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of events out there, isn't there? I mean, like you say, Ypres is a big one in, in, in Belgium, but I mean, there's always been Flanders or Condros or, or whatever it was that, that other people went to. And then like like in France, you know, you, some fantastic events, whether it's Latouquet, Mont Blanc, uh, Devar, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good rallies in, in Europe that happen outside the the European Rally Championship and and as we saw with with our own events the, the Circuit of Ireland and uh, Rally of Scotland and uh, you know it, th- there was always um, sort of quite big financial pressures even to be part of the ERC and yeah there's a there's a huge number of, of great events around around Europe that uh, have probably never been part of, of ERC. Uh, it, it, do you know what Trev I don't know whether 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 you see it, I've just, 
the other thing I, I've just been speaking to to, to uh, Mellis Elliott, and Ollie's out doing the the Rally National uh, French Cup. He's took the Proton R5 over there. Um, you know, not not an obvious event to, to to go and do per se, but you know, people are now not necessarily looking for the headline events abroad; they're just looking for good events abroad. Good events and maybe commercial deals as well. You know, a lot of those uh, rallies, regional support can help uh, and assist competitors to come across. And, yeah, it depends on what you want. Like West Cork Rally, where I am uh, ready for the weekend. Traditionally, it was never around to the Tarmac Championship and more recently got involved in the British Championship. But in its own right as a rally, particularly a clubman rally and the welcome that everybody gets when they come here, uh, it was incredible. They didn't see or feel the need to be part of it. And I suppose he was like that for a while as well. Yeah, no. Um Jack, um, obviously, I know you're, you're, in all seriousness and joking aside, I know you're a little bit of a, a rally anorak, but um, do you think the, you know, Trev's just been talking about obviously the commercial deals for people to go and do maybe some of these smaller events. Do you think there's also another element now where people are not particularly, you know, <laughs> because there isn't as many, you know, opportunities now, because, you know, back in the day, there used to be, you know, free entries, free accommodation, start money was a thing back in the day as well and now people are having to fund you know rally and i was speaking to um i was speaking to somebody going over to do a classic event and you know it was like 300 euros all in with the hotel and everything um to go and do this classic event only do you know a few weeks ago um do you think just people are just looking for 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 the the adventure now without as as i've just said to shrev without necessarily you know saying well i've done this big event or wherever it may be yeah, absolutely. And if, if you if you kind of flip it a little bit, think about it from a, a different perspective. We're we're obviously very UK centric, all of us, and um, that's where you know we've done the majority of our our, our rallying experience and, and stuff. And we're always trying to tell people how good things like Mull are, and that's a difficult thing to to explain to someone maybe who comes from the south of France or or you know. Obviously, most people in rallying have heard of Mull or, or, or are aware of it, but you know you, you won't necessarily get many people coming from South Africa, for example, to to do Mull. So, you know, we, we've got some absolutely phenomenal local rallies in the UK here that are very kind of UK centric and and kind of cut off from the, the the wider European rallying community, if you like. And 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 an element of that is probably cost, uh, you know, for them to come over, and, and they probably wouldn't get much help to to come over either on on certain events. But uh, yeah, I just think. You know, we're, we're, we're quite quick in this country, in the UK, especially to, to talk about how good some of our real grassroots rallies are. But then, you know, why shouldn't we be doing the same thing for, for some of the rallies out there? And all credit to the to the Mellors group for going out there to, to France. We know those those stages that they're going out to are going to be awesome. Why would you not go and do a, a few local events? And, and if that's what you want to do for enjoyment, then then absolutely. Why not? Some of the best stages in the world, no doubt. Very much so. Very much so. Anyway, um, just just a couple of other things I wanted to touch upon. Um, uh, the confirmation, Trev, of, of Timu Sunan um, at Hyundai um, as the Rally 2 uh, driver. I nearly got that wrong then. I nearly said R2. Um, Rally 2 driver. And apparently that deal was very much fueled by the fact that there's testing uh, involved. And, and that seems to be the crux of his time last year where he was he, he was adamant he wanted more seat time and he wasn't getting it and and now by the looks of things he's he, he's going to be getting it but equally i don't quite understand you know looking at the hyundai lineup uh realistically where he, where he could even progress at hyundai 
Yeah, um, I, I don't know the details, but clearly he seemed to be a lot more comfortable in Hyundai towards the end of last year. Uh, so it makes sense to go with that. And he joined the queue. <laughs> That's it. Um, when you look at the people who are in Rally 2 now uh, that have got lots of experience, and even people who fell out like Mads Alsberg, not even competing that I can see at the minute in Rally 2. He's doing um, the Hung- Hungarian Rally Championship he's doing this year. Ah, oh, fantastic! Yeah. yeah. Um, so no doubt there is a, a huge queue there. You're going to have to really perform to highest level, set some sensational times, blow everybody away, and on the back of that, uh, be quick enough to beat Oliver Solberg and the rest of them. Well, and, and I suppose this is the question. I don't know whether I'm coming back to you first, Trevor, on, on this or not. But you know, I think I'm under the impression that maybe a bit like. Um, a bit like the other year, I think Oliver Solberg is taking some kind of budget, supposedly, um, to the high end ideal. So that's kind of partly, I, I don't think it's, you know, I think whether it's Monster Energy or whatever, but I think Monster does have some livery on the car. Um, and whether that's, you know, a, a leftovers from, 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 from Petter's time, I, I really, really don't know. But so you've got Funden going in there. Um, and you look at obviously, um, the, 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 the the other people who are around, like you've just listed, but where do you believe, and bear in mind what Ryan Champion said before with regards to Kalibov and Pera, where do you believe the cutoff is for some of these drivers age-wise? You know, is it 31, 32, 33, where do you think it's not happening now? Where, so where, where do you kind of go, that's, that's it, there's got to be a cutoff here, surely? Yeah, there's no, there's no cutoff as regards to age. You know, we talked about this in the past. As long as you can do the times, it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, it's times and performance consistently high performance is the gauge. And if you're not consistently performing at the highest level, event after event, you're gone. Yeah. Simple. Um, uh, right. Do you, do you believe there's, 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 there's an age cap? Do you, do you kind of believe that if it's not happened by, age X, you need to start putting your efforts into something else, maybe? It depends on if you're the driver, if you're the um, the funding source. (laughs) 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 Um, As somebody who's still scratching around trying to go rallying now in my mid-40s, then clearly not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm um, late to that. (laughs) Um, but um yeah inherently when you if somebody's funding it and we go back to the the team or yockeys of this world then then uh, there has to be a point where you go do i continue to invest in in team usulinan's career and uh yeah you know he's he's got a another opportunity now with with hyundai but those those opportunities aren't going to last forever that's for sure so yeah it, it comes down to the funding source doesn't it i mean we just we talked about Neil Sorlands, he goes out and wins the first round of the European Championship, but he's struggling to, well, he hasn't funded the second round, struggling to fund a third. And as we know, this this sport is is all about connections and, and funding. And uh, if the funding's there, then as a driver, of course, you'll continue to compete. But it uh, it really does depend on, on what that uh, funding source is getting from it. Or if they need anything from it, of course. Well, he's only he's only 28, Tony. It's too it's too soon to write him off yet. I know you need to see a certain level of performance from a driver at a young age. But you know we've seen people like Oitanak get dropped two or three times from from M Sport and then you know pa- past their 30th birthday achieve some some amazing things. And and sometimes there's drivers that need that. You know as much as we you know we talked about it on the last episode. As much as we're seeing people like Kalirov and Pera come in younger and younger, that doesn't mean 
that 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 doesn't mean we immediately have to write everybody else off who's over the age of 24 and, and not performing to his level because that's you know that's not how driver development works. So, you know, personally, I, I don't think Timo's is ever going to be a, a WRC champion or, or anything like that. But it's too soon to 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 rule him out yet. I think. Well, yeah. just to just to back that up, I mean, <clears throat> if you look at John Armstrong's career, I mean, I think uh, without looking, I guess John and Timo Sunnenden would be a similar age. John's John's a year younger. younger. John, yeah, think, John's yeah. a year younger. Yeah, but okay, a year. And you look at the opportunities Timo Sunnenden's already had compared to John, and we still see John as a, you know, as a young driver who's got chance to to progress. And and obviously, I guess the thing with John's career is we sort we sort of feel he's he's had opportunities, but maybe he hasn't had the the consistent opportunities, and has certainly always struggled for funding. But. Um, you know, we don't look at John at his age and think, well, he, he's, he's written off. John still definitely has, has chance to perform and, and hopefully hit for him make a, a career in the sport. So, you know, there, there certainly isn't an age limit, but there is a point where people have a number of opportunities and if they don't maximise those opportunities, those opportunities won't come again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, a couple of things. I'm just conscious of time for everybody, boys. Um, I just wanted to touch upon something which is probably closer to maybe Trev's heart and Ryan's heart. Uh, and it was a kind of story that was lost on me um, the other week because we don't see them front line now. They, and it, it's Subaru. And it's Subaru, obviously, the American program is, is, is still running. But it's Subaru's announcement that they're stopping the STI uh, element, um, which I'm not going to make any kind of stupid jokes with regards to sexual transmission infections i'm not going to do that um that'd be below you wouldn't it, it would be very much below me but um, below the belt wouldn't it uh, thank you good night um, you're, you're a bit slow there tony i think ryan was trying to set what? you up for that with the, with the one before i think he was I, trying to set you up for that i know jack but i was trying to be professional um, why i know i know that's a why start point. now i know why start now We're, how many episodes in are we um, two hundred. We have no idea. <laughs> two hundred and twenty-three episodes in. Why? 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 Why, why should five, we do that now? Two hundred and twenty-three point five after last week. Um, sorry. Uh, I, 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 did that come out loud? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trevor Agnew. Right. This must be something. Uh, the, the reason why I'm coming to you first is because you became a production world champion in an N10, if memory says right, STI. So that must be something quite close to you, the fact that you became a world champion in, in, in that particular brand and that particular uh, you know, model of brand, as it were. Yeah, well, we won it in 2003 and became quite contagious afterwards for the next two years. Super oh, remote. no. <laughs> I see what you did. No, no, no. Come on, stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Um, yeah, it was a big thing, clearly, to win the production cup back then um, and it's something that I don't know if they put a huge amount of effort into it prior to it but they certainly wanted to win it that year and continue to win it for the next two years afterwards it wasn't a focus is what I meant um, from a pro drive point of view which was the main uh, rally program at the time um, yeah it, it's it's sad to see it but it's clearly there for a reason it's the flip opposite of, uh, of what Yaris or what Toyota are doing with the RSGR I know why anybody would buy them. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you Steady. both got Yaris GRs and you've decided it's a good idea to have one of those. What would the super equivalent of that have been? Could they have sold it if they market it the right way? Clearly they had decided not to. So 
I, I, you know, I, I again, yeah, uh, but I think I think just having uh, and and you probably have as well, Trevor. But been close to both brands. Um, I think Subaru's problem was they became dependent on the performance brand, uh, and that's what what their brand was all about. And they actually struggled with the mainstream, and uh, and certainly from a UK point of view, at one point they actually tried to distance themselves from the performance cars because they wanted to sell more mainstream cars. Whereas obviously, Toyota were were the exact opposite. Toyota can do mainstream all day long, as they do in in every country across the planet, and uh, and they were keen to push the, push the performance side. So, yeah, interesting that you know quite quite different approaches and quite different perceptions of the two brands i you know for me i work with you know i work with sti in japan because i was involved with toshi ri's group m program so again going back to the the pwrc days um and you know it was one of those things that i you know we were we we were really quite excited to be part of it and we were dealing working with sti and everything else um and it just kind of be one of those i I suppose everybody assumes that it, it that part had gone now, but it hadn't. It obviously been living on through the through through the the American program. Um, uh, Jack, uh, does it uh, does it really matter? I suppose I'm going to come to you and ask that. Obviously, I, I appreciate with Ryan and, and and Trev, they've competed in the brands and stuff like that. But to the, to to somebody like yourself or even a casual observer, I'm guessing that it kind of feels like it went when the World Rally Team went anyway. Yeah, yeah, I feel like this. Um, you know, for me, it was it was Mitsubishi versus Subaru, and that was you know what I grew up in, and and that that makes the the news of of what's happening uh, especially sad from from that point of view. Uh, lots of happy memories growing up watching those cars on on stages or or on TV. So yeah, but uh, as you mentioned, you know that battle's been been gone for a long time now, and, and Subaru have been quite disconnected from from rallying to to the majority of people I imagine who, who don't follow um, the the American Rally Championship, which is uh, you know, whether where you are in the world will depend on that quite significantly, I guess. But um, yeah, it's it's been good to see them carrying on out there, and um, even see them expand quite heavily into into rallycross out there in America as well, and, and do some cool things out there. And um, you know, we've obviously seen um, souped-up versions of the Subaru go around the Isle of Man and and, and things like that. So there's there's still been some really cool things that have that have happened relatively recently with with the uh, with the cars. But yeah, for me, the, that that era has been um, has been gone for for a long time now, quite sadly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, be interested to see just as uh, it's hundred acre wood this weekend. Um, um, uh, the Barry McKenna's back in that kind of twenty seventeen style world rally car fiesta that he's got out there so notice david higgins has been out there doing some testing with us as well so whether we see david higgins back in the championship various others brit tom williams uh of course has been on the podcast many times he's starting out as uh with the same backers as what um, travis is going to have this year so yeah be interested to see what goes on over there but um i kind of feel like there's something there's something brewing with regards to definitely with regards to subaru and i don't know anything more than than what anybody else does. It's not like some kind of hidden, kind of convoluted message here. But um, Ken, Ken Block's entered uh, as well in car, well, he's car two, but the car is a TBA. So, um, yes, um, I have nothing on what other cars are going on with it, but I do know potentially there's another driver that may well be looking, and it's not Ken Block, um, but may well be looking at taking a 17-type car over there. Um, as well so there you go there you go really anyway. really nice really nice to see Keita Williams out in over there as well with, with Brandon Semenuk as well um, yeah we were Keaton on Keaton. the other week we had Keaton on the other week so yeah uh, yeah, good, good to see him getting out on a rally after some some of the difficulties he went through last year and not and, you know struggling to make that WRC debut and, and now getting some some more opportunities in America that's really nice to see 
Yeah. And should, I, should I say at this point, I expect to see Ken Block in the next WRC car. Uh, say that again, sorry. I said that I, I expect to see Ken Block out on that rally in a in a XWRC car or a or a whatever you okay. want to say. Well, okay. WRC he car, last scoop, generation. He clearly got the scoop around the pool and Ken. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, that's something it. along those lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. He, he had purchased the car or his uh, whatever his, his people team. had. Yes. his people had. He's got yes. people. He's got people. Always remember that. Um, couple of things. Uh, Ross Whitock is out there as well, alongside Tom Williams. Of course, Ross, who is departed from Chris Ingram, who's out on the Northwest Stages this weekend. Right, I don't know if you've had a look at the entry for Northwest Stages. Uh, I'm probably going to be up there at some point tomorrow. I'm going to see some of the guys at Talksport as well, so I'll probably see Chris and Neil Simpson and various other people, and maybe even our own John Desborough, because um, I believe he's up there as well. Have, have you had a little cheeky look at the entry? Yeah, I, d- I did have a bit of a look the other, the other day, actually. And uh, Well, I mean, it's, it's great... <laughs> Isn't it just great that we've actually got closed road rallies popping up? Um, uh, I, I wasn't on when, uh, or I wasn't here to talk about it when when the first ever closed road rally in Yorkshire happened a few weeks ago. So so fantastic to see everybody um, behind the East Riding stages get that one off the ground and the, the Northwest stages moving to, to closed roads. Obviously, it did last year. So you know, I'm not sure when the the amendment to the road traffic laws happened for the mainland we we really expected to see this happen but it but it is doing and it's it's fantastic and uh yeah as you said a good entry you know great to see chris ingram competing at home jason pritchard now in a, a polo so it'll be very interesting to see how he goes in that because obviously he we, keeps we, to be fair we've contributed to his budget haven't we we've both <laughs> contributed to his budget quite heavily as many people in rallying have it has to be said <laughs> um, but he, he's fast in anything he gets in you've already mentioned neil david henderson uh former work super 1600 ford driver he's, he's been going very well recently been, david henderson one last very well. times out hasn't he yeah i think so yeah um, Frank Bird, who um, again is is showing, uh, you know, his focus is circuit racing, I think. But Frank Bird, every time he gets in a rally car, is is incredibly quick. Uh, Mark Kelly been quick around the the Motorsport News Championship over the last few years. So <coughs> there's you know some some good drivers in there, and I think um, again, you know, nice to see strength in depth as well. There's some old old gimmers as well, like Neil Weird, and he's out on it. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second because we are getting very very close to the end. So we're going to talk about uh, Neil Weird and and it, some bloke he had alongside him last week. Any second now, so uh, keep your patience, young man. Keep your patience. Um, and Craig Drew, of course, now uh, sitting with Chris, supposedly for for the rest of the year uh, in WRC two, obviously doing this rally as well, uh, the Northwest Stages. So good luck to everybody uh, out on Northwest Stages. You are out again, like what I was saying at the top. If you are out watching the rally and you're listening to us, hello, let us know. There you go. There you go. Um, we are at. Uh, I assume Trev, your any other business will be. Neil Whedon related. Well, it can be, yeah. Yeah, I thought it might be. I thought it might be. Okay. Um, so, well, I'll tell you what, you go for it then, because I was out, I, I went up to the Northwest Stages, uh, sorry, Northwest, I went up to the Malcolm Wilson Stages. I was meant to be doing the rally, unfortunately, we have to pull our entry. Um, but of course, you did it, Trev. You put the band back together. You put the duet back together. <laughs> I didn't you were there. You didn't come and say hello. Like other people who listen to this podcast, thanks very much to those people who did come and say hello. Um, so you were on the stages, you just didn't make it to the service park? No, I was in the service park. Oh, right, okay. Well, yeah, I was wandering around the service park, but I, was, I came in, I think, I was around one o'clock-ish, I was there, half one. 
Uh, I was there for about an hour or so, and then and then got off because I had a, a, an excitable toddler with me who was no longer excitable by walking around the service park. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, pitched up, did some big skids, made a load of noise, laughed more than anybody else. Uh, the conversation. What was beautiful about it was get, going to Neil's, getting the car in the trailer, and the two of us in the van going up over Shap and the M6. Just and the conversation was around. Do you remember when? <laughs> I wonder where he is and all that. And it was just brilliant for an hour and a half. Get the car off the trailer and it goes on to two cylinders. That wasn't so good. And then uh, needed to replace the ECU in it. So it was a bit of drama overnight in the rain and. Early morning scrutineering, but we got all of that sorted to an extent. There's still a couple of glitches, but we had just a mighty time. And it was amazing just how quickly everything just came back to us. Like 20 years, turned the clock back within half a mile. Um, he said some nice things about the timing and uh, having his comfort blanket, I think was the term he used back. And, uh, yeah, we, we set some decent times. We felt, but we didn't look at that all day. We just literally had good fun. But at the end of it, we both said, why the hell are we doing this? And um, it's very much a young man's game. And that's definitely the case for me. I had plenty of fun between 1979 and 2005 doing it. And, uh, a couple of events have been out on since. Uh, have been good to do, but this one at the weekend definitely getting uh, to the end of it. We both agreed. Neil clearly has got his son, who's absolutely brilliant, Nathan, uh, and his co-driver Ethan for the first time. What an amazing lad! Uh, so he jumps in the car. He hadn't done a rally before, and he's the coolest dude. And everything was perfect. And if you watch Nathan's uh, in car, he definitely was a lot more committed than us, and Nathan's going to be a star, 18 years of age. So Neil uh, will be focusing on him, and the idea of this Hyundai i20 kit car that he's built is having something that's affordable that he can potentially put Nathan in in time when he's door handling his ST Fiesta, he needs to move up. So it's a case of Neil loving the engineer now, and the he's a mechanic by trade, and uh, but he just absolutely loves going to events and doing the whole logistics and the management side of things. So he'll be happy doing that. Um, he will do the odd event moving forward without me and um, just to keep that development going. And, you know, for for what he's built, it's fantastic. It's a two litre Duratec engine right now, 270 horsepower. It's only geared to 100 miles an hour, so it probably struggles a little bit in traction, which is the one thing that we were missing out on uh, compared to a lot of the competition. But I think we ended up third two wheel drive or something along those lines, which shows the potential of it. And it's, it's just a great project for Neil and an affordable way for Nathan and Time just to have a bit of fun in a car that was very reminiscent of what we used to use. If anything, it's quicker and probably got better suspension. And uh, yeah, it was a good, good, good event. Um, but as of last night, uh, when I got a phone call about 10 o'clock from someone you probably all know uh, to ask me if I wanted to do the rally at the weekend, because unfortunately somebody uh, tested positive for COVID, I said quite categorically, no, thank you. Oh, <laughs> and, the, and the David Sutton race suit still fits you. Do you know the only thing I can assume, by the way, that that David Sutton race suit that you trotted out last weekend because Neil sent me a picture of you in it, that must have been monumentally massive on you back in back in the day because there's no way. That, that looks big on you now. That's all I'm saying. That looks big it, on you now. 
I, I always have quite loose suits. If you look at the Vauxhall ones, it'd be the same. Okay. So I don't think I've grown that big. I'm certainly bigger, but um, I did lose a little bit of weight there. Oh, I, good for you. Good for you. Uh, can I add another little bit of any other business, Go please? on, quickly, quickly, quickly. It's rally-related, rally-family-related, and it's a positive good news story. So uh, Clubman competitor in Northern Ireland, Richard Hogg, together with his son, Owen, 20 years of age, jumped in a 40-foot truck and took a load of aid out to the border with Poland, with Ukraine. Um, a fantastic effort, 25 ton of AIDS going out there. Brilliant. Um, and it's brilliant. The rally community got behind uh, Owen, lots of publicity around that. As well, uh, Angus Watt, who uh, you guys know, and certainly some of the listeners will know, certainly from the podcast that I do. Uh, Angus is very instrumental in the Weird and Nice career. Uh, professionally and his son Finn was turning 21 last week and instead of doing what I would have done and most of us would have done going out and celebrating it he decided he wanted to do something so he talked his dad Angus into lending him a van and his uh, classic car restoration mechanics managed to put a second row of seats into it. So he headed off in a transit van with six seats in it, together with a family friend to go to the border, uh, the Polish border with Ukraine, to drop off all the uh, goods that they had, and then to start ferrying people back and from to Vienna. And he's still out there. Uh, the both of them are on their way back, I think, now. But we're going to look at getting a second van, and it's it's going to grow a little bit. So watch the space for a little bit more uh, around that type of thing. But I think it's just lovely to have a good news story from the rally community that's doing something positive in the events that are going on out there. Well done. Well done. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better myself, Trev. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jack Banging, you're any other business before we wrap up? The livery question that you asked last week, I've yeah. decided, can I, can I have the Q8 Sierra that Delacour oh. drove? Does that count as a works livery? I think it is, but is it swung by the side, ex- side exit exhaust? Is that really what's getting over the line? <laughs> Is that what it is? Well, I, I'd, I'd come to the categoric decision after deciding between about 10 different liveries that that was the one that I wanted to pick. And then I realised it's probably a works livery, so it probably doesn't count. So I've, I've done my usual Jack Benyon uh, mess things up at the last minute situation. <laughs> no, that's so, absolutely, absolutely fine. That's absolutely uh, fine. I'll, I'll let you have that one. It's fine. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Um, and I also wanted to bring a bit of attention to uh, a very sad event that happened uh, a couple of weekends ago. Um, the Rally Safe company had some some timing systems taken from from their base on the, the outskirts of, of Melbourne in, in Australia. So if you're listening to the podcast from Australia, you've seen anything, you know anyone who's who knows anything about what happened there or, or can help to, to raise some awareness of, of what's happened because the the Rally Safe company, are really there's a, a lot of great people behind that. Um, I'm sure... Ryan will have met Abby and, and some of the team there in, in Barbados and, and probably on other events as well. Maybe the other two of you have come across uh, the, the team at Rally Safe as well over the years. So uh, very sad that I think it's like 70 timing units or something that, that got taken. So if uh, yeah, if anyone's listening in, in, in Australia who can, can help out there, has any information or, or can do anything to, to raise a bit of awareness, I think that would be a, a great thing to do for them. Yeah, good on you. Good on you. Ryan Champion? Um, mine is, is just... Uh um, a little dedication to two quick Vicks who have lost this week, both Vic Preston and Vic Elford, unfortunately, um, passed away this week. Uh, Vic Preston Jr. 
uh, well known for his exploits on the, on the Safari Rally. Um, he was a, a Lancia development driver for a long time, but um, but also drove a, a factory Porsche in the Safari. Um, Vic Elford, obviously known for uh, for winning Monte Carlo in a in a factory 911, and then a week later he went on to win the uh, the, the Daytona 24 Hours in a, in a Porsche 907. So one of the most versatile drivers in the world ever. So uh, two great drivers who uh, we unfortunately lost this week. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to kind of carry on that. Somebody we didn't talk about last week because I wanted Ry to, 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 to be there as well as unfortunately, Ry, of course, a couple of weeks ago, we also lost Bob Milroy, who kind of feels like he's peppered throughout my, I, I used the word career very, very lightly here, but 23, 24 years of competing. Um, Bob w- was obviously a little bit of a voice. He was the voice of the start of so many rallies uh, and also the finish so many rallies and he always hit me with the same jokes <laughs> when I was coming up the ramp uh, or whether we were coming down the ramp uh, and I think the last time I remember doing uh, I did Cambrian rally a couple it must have been not last year the year before and it was the finish was in the high street so it must have been pre-covid so it must have been um, 2019 maybe um, and I'd had a really bad rally so I, I had Johnny on my knee uh, Johnny would have been about two and a half, so driving up the finish ramp. Uh, so when the Bob opened the door, Johnny was there, and he still proceeded to try and interview Johnny about the rally, which, <laughs> which was just bonkers to be honest with you. But it was just because I had a bad rally and thought, you know, I just can't be bothered. And, and I had Johnny on my knee, so he decided to uh, to, to interview Johnny, and Johnny um, took the the, the 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 muffy bit off his microphone, and we drove off. That was it. So, uh, but he always, you know, and I did some co-commentary with him as well on a few events, which was eye-opening um, to say the least, because there was definitely so, some of the some of the stuff that he had was definitely of its time, shall we say? But just just loved it, just loved it, and will really genuinely be sadly missed. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you said, he was always on a on a rally somewhere, and um, you know, often stuck on his own in the, in the middle of a forest or whatever doing commentary. The, often he didn't have the uh, the luxury of a core commentator to go to. He was just there on his own and uh, and, and chatting away. Be it, like I said, a, a start or a finish or, or in the middle of a stage as well. But yeah, one of those people who who really loved rallying um was was always around on every rally like you said and you know such enthusiasm for it and will be sadly missed absolutely absolutely uh, right boys um you can all go back to your day jobs now so to speak um and uh, we're gonna go to well should we speak next week should we, we should we try and do this again maybe don't know we had a week off didn't we which we didn't really talk about because we just couldn't get all our diaries to line up so um, it's late from the week I'm up for it. So I've yeah. got St. Patrick's Day, Cheltenham Gold Cup, rugby, and a rally party to get over between now and then. So we might be missing Trev next week, everybody. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, boys, thank you for that, uh, folks. We'll be back after this break with Gus Greensmith. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome to the final section of Absolute Rally. We've been talking, of course, about the Malcolm Wilson Rally at the top. We had our own Trevor Agnew out. With, uh, with uh, Neil Weirden and, you know, I wasn't there, which obviously, which was devastating. But we had, a, we had a new rally fan out. We had somebody out watching 
a rally for the first time. I thought it would be really good to, to, to reach out and see what their first event as a spectator was really, really like. So Gus Greensmith, as a first-time rally spectator, welcome to Absolute Rally. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've made it now. I'm officially an anorak. <laughs> no, we were just, obviously, before, as as Gus and I will always talk, we always end up doing about half an hour and before we do this because we always just catch up. Um, so Gus was out on on, on Will's, Malcolm Wilson rally, and I, d- I didn't actually see him, but I only knew he was there by the social media pictures. So yeah, you, you you had your thermos, you had your woolly hat on. How was the experience for you, Gus? It was really good, but within about um, within about a, I'd say about five minutes of uh, of Adam posting the the things on social media, I had a, had a very uh, stern message from from Mister Breen saying I've been a hypocrite because I slag off uh, Mark to uh, escorts because I say I hate them, and I do. And apparently, without me knowing, there was a picture on my story for Mark to escort. So, Craig's had me over on that one. But the actual experience of watching the guys was actually really good. I went with, um, I went with Chris uh, Patterson and my, uh, my best friend, uh, Chester. And it was just a really nice day out. Uh, it was just nice to see a couple of stages, watch some, watch some friends. Obviously, Rich was doing it with, with Seb, and also uh, uh, Kieran and, and Steve-O, the number one mechanics at uh, M Sports. So uh, it was really nice to go and watch it. And, yeah, it was good fun, although I did get pretty piss wet through. Yeah, and that is the downside. That is the downside. It's and especially in Cumbria because I I decided cause we were meant to be doing it and and we travelled up and I took my little boy up and the inevitability just as you get into Welcome to Lake District it just it just started raining. It's like yes we're here. Thank you. So uh, yes, there's always an inevitability of rain around that part, no matter what time of year. But anyway, anyway, I'm glad you're a con- I'm glad you're a convert. But yeah, I've, I've, offic- I've officially made it now. Yeah, absolutely. I've spent my entire life watching a rally, and now I've officially watched one. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the club. Good lad, good lad. Right, listen. Um, I really, really, because we've not spoke. I don't think we've had you on. We've spoke, obviously, but we've not spoke on the pod. I reckon for about. I reckon it's about eighteen months. You know. I think it's been a while. It's it, it is it's I think it's the way things we had that weird time with COVID and da, 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 which seems like a lifetime ago now when you think about it when all things considered going on in the world but um so yeah so firstly um I wanted to kind of get your closing thoughts now we're in this period of going into I'm still struggling with what we what we call rally cars these days whether it's rally one WRC and everything else but that's called the seventeen car. Yeah. You've now departed from the 17 car. Okay. We're in the new car. I'm not going to do the lazy compare this, but is there anything you missed from the 17 car? There you go. That's, that, that, that's a really kind of cack-handed way of asking the same question without asking that question. I, 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 I can't even count how many times I've been asked this question. Yeah. To be fair, the best I've been able to describe it is that the 17 cars felt special, but the, this new Puma, a hybrid that M Sport and Four Performance have developed just feels like something else. It's the most complete car I've ever driven. It's on an, it's its capabilities to say what's been taken away from the category, um, like the the centre diff and some of the uh, some of the aero. What it's done such an incredible job. And the 17 car feels very special to drive. But if you were to give, if you were ask me a car which one I'd take to go quicker, I'd take the hybrid immediately from you. Wow, wow! See, I genuinely thought I was really smart how I asked that, but you've just said I've been asked this question so many times. I thought I did it in a really convoluted way without <laughs> asking the obvious question. But, uh, it's, it's one of those like it, 
you have to, you can talk about the, all the little details and stuff, but eventually people will get bored of, of, uh, of me talking for the last 30 minutes about all the small details of what's different than that. But that's the best way to describe it. What's the 17 cars were incredibly special. But in my opinion, the, the hybrid that I'm driving is more capable. Okay. And, uh, you know, the, I suppose we won't get down to the nitty gritty too much, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 hard to kind of relate to the fact that the seventeen car was still technically a you know a, a, an adapt. I suppose it was an adapted body shell, whereas this is this is very much a, a space frame sh- chassis. Is that you know the, the chassis capabilities and stuff like that? Again, I don't want to get too bogged down this because I'm not good enough to talk about it. But when you talk about the differences, does it when you say it's something else, does it not feel like a car? I know that sounds like a really stupid question, but, you know, the Fiesta was ultimately, you know, part of a family of cars that which which was basically built upon because it started off life as a Fiesta, whereas this doesn't start off life as, as, as anything, does it? Uh, well, I, I can't really go into the specifics, but I, whatever M Spawn 4 performance did, I can tell you that it's bloody good. <laughs> it's just, it's, in, in, in Monaco, it was just the... The, the best car I've ever driven by a long way. It was so easy to drive. Yeah. And that, and when driving on the limit at the very, very top of WRC feels easy, you know, you're driving something very special. So, and uh, I think that, I think the engineers were maybe not tired of hearing it because it was basically spl- blowing smoke up their ass. But I, I think I, I wouldn't like to have been given account of how many times I said this car was really good. So, well, yeah, it's, it, it, it feels just so direct. It feels so direct, but nothing is so predictable. It's, uh, do, do you know, what? I'm going to, again, because this is, we, we've kind of gone on and we've had Sweden, obviously we, we will, we, we, I just want to touch upon Monty a bit briefly, but um, the stage time. The, the, yeah. And I know you didn't know the camera was on, and I know this has been talked about so much, but I haven't spoke to you, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use my license to kind of say this to you, is, Fucking get in, Gus. That's exactly the reaction everybody wants to see. And you didn't. I know you know yeah. that you didn't know the camera was on. That's that is the reaction. I, think, I, think I, I, I uh, will not admit what was in my hand. Yeah, nor that I we, was moving. I wasn't, I I wasn't talking about that. Bloody yeah, we won't talk <laughs> about that. Bear in mind where you're yeah, going. Bear, bear in mind where you're going next week. We won't talk about that. Um, but. No. Um, that's you know that's that's the reaction. That's what that's what that's what everybody watching would react like if they got anywhere near something like that. You know what I mean? Because we we get so used and we know how special. And I'm going to talk to you about this because obviously you you you've been teammates now with the two Sebs, and there's not many people who can say that you are in you you're actually in quite a small minority when you think about it. Of you've been yeah yeah. I think that was what made it quite special as well because 2021 for me was about we we had the ability to to be fast but in 2020 the consistency was just poor and uh, bringing Chris in the car was helping me discover a lot about myself about what I needed to improve and uh, not necessarily to improve the speed because at the beginning we knew we had it but there's a lot more things to running than just speed and that's why Chris came in the car and that's why we spent last year just focusing on, on improving the consistency and what was my I would say my biggest weakness in 2020 of uh, poor consistency became my actually my strongest attribute uh, last year and still still going into this year uh, touch wood so uh, it was all about progressing through so 
patience was, was required, a lot of it. Uh, so then when I did get the first stage win, first rally, in, well, first rally, first full day in the new car, and then to go head-to-head with the two greatest rally drivers ever and pit them to, the, to my first stage win made it even more special because it wasn't like a Sunday stage win when people are backing off and not necessarily pushing. It was a full-fledged, full-deserved stage win. So, it, yeah, it meant a lot to me. I'm I, I, I'm I'm gonna ask from the, that, that, that I, I use the term that you you you've used for your dad and I've heard it so many times on the WRC podcast because it's still part of the intro because um, I do listen to it and it's you talk about your dad being a fanboy I'm gonna be a fanboy at this point and 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 and, and I suppose maybe maybe you I will definitely be. did call my dad a fanboy because he disowned me <laughs> he's, he's he's supportive of my career. But, uh, at the, end, at the end of the day, uh, what, what he says goes. So. Okay, all right. I'm, yeah, sh- I'm very, sure it's on very the but there's a very good level of respect. Yes, absolutely. All he right. would never hold an umbrella for me in the sunshine, put it, put okay, it that way. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm far too grounded for that. Okay, all right. Good on you. Good on you. Right. So where I was going to go, obviously, you know, and I don't know whether, had, had you thought about the fact that, you know, there's not many people that have been, and I know it's only been one event so far with, with, with Mr. Lowe, but who knows, hopefully it could be more, but, you know, to be teammates with both of them, as I say, did, did, I, I, have you really thought about that? That there's actually a tiny, probably only a handful of people, if that, that have been teammates with both of them. Yeah, I mean, again, one of the things I've been very, very fortunate with, but at the same sense, of course, I've observed them and watched what they're like. And um, the very, the, I mean, they're the kind of the same, but very different. If as, as much of that doesn't make sense, but Sebastian Loeb is the most laid-back man I've ever met. You wouldn't think that he was going into a rally, into Rally Monte Carlo for the first time in quite a few years, and then coming out with a win. He was just so mellow, so yeah. relaxed, and he didn't touch anything on the car, just did his job. And it, that kind of shows a lot for when you see drivers these days over- saying that they overcomplicate things, and that, for me, speaks volumes because Seb just got to his job and did his thing, whereas Mr. Rogers, I would say, is very analytical, um, studies everything, understands everything very well. Uh, so it's two different approaches, but both of their demeanors, are, they're just pretty mellow, chilled guys. So, yeah, I, it was very cool to, 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 to watch them both, um, how, how they operate. When, you know, it did make me smile when, you know, obviously... And there was a piece with Malcolm, and he he's obviously he's, he said it a couple of times now in a couple of different interviews where he was talking about obviously you know Loeb not changing a thing on the car. Um, you know, is that is that something? Did that did that kind of strike home with you as well? Where you go, okay, well, you know, d- uh, no, not really, because in the entire weekend of Monte Carlo, I only changed uh, uh, two clicks on an assessing in the entire weekend, so I wasn't that far behind him. Yeah, um, well, I think. It was more the fact that included him in the test. He got in the car, said it was good, got out of the car, got in the car, won Rally Monte Carlo, went home. Yeah, yeah. It's it 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 it's it, that 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 is the that is the the, the elements of just cool, isn't it? And of course, uh, the lady sat next to him just went back to school on the Monday <laughs> to teach maths. Yeah, it, yeah. Certainly, two remarkable people. That's for sure. Yeah, there's there's something very special about that. But anyway, we 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 we, we digress. We digress. I just wanted to. Obviously, one, I want to reach out to you just to catch up with you as much as anything, but also to kind of talk to you about, obviously, now going into the, the, this hybrid area. And we, 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 we've talked about it, 2022. Um, again, new teammate, new car. Also, obviously, you, you, you've got 
another new coach have obviously Chris has stepped down obviously Chris Passon is still part of your program but you've got the onus now and I must admit I didn't I, I, that wasn't obvious to me I must admit when 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 you appointed him you know for the last round last year um that wasn't an obvious one you know when you kind of sit there and you kind of you go oh I wonder if you know so and so will jump in or this person will jump in I didn't see that how did that one come about Gus? Uh, in all fairness it was my dad's idea um and I wow. think he, my dad's in all credit to him. Um, he, he's not a rally dad. He's not someone that is uh, that puts pressure on the child to become the next OJ. And he, we started this off as a as a hobby. It became a serious hobby. So he's always just enjoyed. He, he loves the rally. He loves being there. And but he's got a bit of a different view. He doesn't get worked up. Well, I don't think that man's ever been stressed in his life. He's he's, he's mellow. So him. And, so that's, that's one thing. But him and Lord are quite similar. <laughs> Maybe not in driving talent, but in, in demeanour. Um, and he, he's kind of taken a, a view from the outside and, and saw the qualities that Chris um, uh, brought to the to the car this year. And he thought the same of, of Jonas. And then it seemed to make complete sense. And it was one that completely slipped my mind as well. And then obviously we had the discussion and. We wanted to start it in, in Monza, uh, which was Chris's idea also, because obviously we needed to ensure that it was the right step for next year. And uh, the only question really was uh, was whether English would English pace notes would be an issue for Jonas after so many years of Norwegian and Swedish notes. And uh, pretty much after the second stage, he was bang on, on the pace. And obviously, since then, we can see that the partnerships... Um, done very well sitting fourth in the championship at factor third, if you, if you don't include... Uh, including Mr. Lowe. Uh, so obviously things are definitely going the way we wanted them to. What's the what's the homework that's been given to you for this year from from from, from Malcolm or from Rich, and what are the targets you've been set for this year, Gus? Uh, well, the, the, the two targets were the stage win. We've got that on the, in, in Monaco, and the next one is is the podium. Uh, but I think for me, uh, I've worked very hard to improve my consistency to always be a driver that's bringing home points for the team um, but at some point this year we're going to have to really start pushing the boundaries and pushing myself as hard as I can uh, go to, to really get this podium because a podium that I've earned through people falling away is not something that I want it's the podium I want is something that I've earned so and we, we know the level at, that WRC is at is, is extremely extremely high so uh for sure, maybe I'm sure there'll be many more crashes in, in my career, but minimising them and being consistent is a is a value that uh, I know that teams hold highly. I've got nothing to offer on crashes at the moment, Gus. As well, you know. <laughs> I, I crashed. I crashed plenty in 2020, so don't worry. I've got my own good amount of knowledge as well. <laughs> I'm still pick, there's still there's still a plane crash somewhere in a North Yorkshire forest that people are still brushing up on mine from a month ago. So yeah, I can I, I can relate to that. But anyway, I'm sure I'll have another plane crash in the future. Just uh, hopefully not for a while. Let's, let's yeah, that's, that, 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 that's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. Listen, my mate, it's 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 always a pleasure to catch up and just chew the fat with you as much as anything. As I say, um, we we always genuinely do three times as much before we actually start recording anything because we just like to catch up with one another so and That's then we great. think we better talk about rallying for 10 or 15 minutes so I'm conscious you've just finished doing something uh, we won't talk about that um, but I'm, I'm, I'm as equally excited about that and dare I say a little bit jealous but there you go um <laughs> That's that, that's how I look at it anyway. But still, there you go. Listen, um, let's catch you up soon, and let's not uh, let's not leave it so long next time. Okay. Sounds like a plan. 
Absolutely. Gus Greensmith, thank you so much for joining us Absolute Rally. Folks, that has been Absolute Rally for this week. If you could spread the love, spread the word, leave us a review on iTunes. They do help. The same with Podbean. And we'll be back same time, same place in the podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week. 